Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour Question Tuesday Edition. On today's show, we're going to give some advice that hopefully will be okay, give out some recs, and then apparently go deep on some questions for each other. I haven't been told how we're going to go deep. I've just been told we're going to go deep. I don't know. We have two ways your question for me can go. Deep and deeper? Tears or laughter. Well, let's see what we get. Our first question is from Biblio Aesthetica on Tumblr. Hey, space friends. I have an advice question. I'm pretty bad at social interactions that are complicated and have been trying to level up in a certain aspect of conversations. Defense against the mansplainer. Sometimes I chat with a guy and later, much later, I will realize what he said and how it is condescending and I knew the thing and I got sidetracked in the convo. But I was with a friend recently and it might be happening a lot and I don't spot it. How to spot it, please? Thanks, Offendi. First of all, I would like to say that I really like that they signed as a fan bee. That's tremendous. I love it. 10 space bees out of 10 space bees to this signature. As for the question, I do not know. Don't you deal with mansplainers all the time in your job? Well, no. My work is basically all women. Wow. Okay. Lucky you. So very recently, our company has merged with a larger company. And then now I have more uh, male staff. I don't interact with them a lot, but most of them, I am kind of like one step above in terms within the company. I haven't had an interaction that I would say had this element of mansplaining. But then again, maybe I did, and I just didn't know how to spot it, in which case then I am in the very same position as our fan B. My first piece of advice would be to trust yourself more. Women in social situations are often trained to distrust their instincts, to ignore when they feel uncomfortable, are accused of overreaction. So often we learn to suppress those feelings. When a man is doing something or saying something to us that is going to ping us, we're going to possibly just not notice it. So step one is to learn to trust yourself and your opinions and all the conversations you have. Step two is to read about negging. This is where I started. I did a lot of research about how men will neg you in conversations. And it's not just like as part of like pickup culture. It can also be for anything else. So research negging and see how men use like rhetorical tactics in conversations to trap you or back you into a corner verbally. Third, I would say like the best bet would be to slow your conversations down. If the conversations are complicated, make sure you're taking time when you're responding to get out your full thought and make sure you're taking the time to process what's being said to you. Like, a lot of the times, I think, in conversations, we have a habit of maybe listening to people but not taking in fully what they've said and processing it. I know exactly how this feels. You're having a conversation with a dude. Three days later, you're like, fuck, he was being an asshole, and I have this great comeback, and I can't use it now. I'm there all the time. I have that all the time. You're not alone. (laughs) 
one way around this I found is just to slow everything down. And it might make your conversations not as complicated for a while, and it might annoy people around you, but who cares? Take time for you. I think I am in a very privileged position where I mostly only interact with women at work, and then most of my friends are women. Of course, I have a partner who is a feminist, so he doesn't do that. I haven't dated in 17 years, thank God. A defense against mansplaining is really hard because, like, if you're in a social situation, in my experience, when I call men out for this, they get really physically aggressive. And for me, it's not so much of a problem. I'm five, nine. I'm not a small woman. They can't as, like, physically intimidate me as much as they might be able to do it to other women. But, like, I noticed that when you call men out in real life for mansplaining, they get super upset in a very physically aggressive way. I don't know if your friends are like this, so please be safe. But one defense I've found really helpful is that when they do it to me, I just, like, stop the conversation. I just pause it and go, I just said that, or, yes, that's what I just explained to you. Thanks for repeating it for me so I know you understood it. Or other rhetorical tricks like that that sometimes will throw them off, and so it will derail them from further mansplaining. Um, a last piece of advice. When you're trying to learn how to like engage with conversations without being treated this way, I found that reading advice columns can actually help a little because in advice columns you get like my partner's doing this to me, my husband's doing this to me, my boyfriend's doing this to me. Like if you start reading the advice columns and looking for patterns and behavior, eventually you'll get better at spotting it. Uh, also, you could read lots of books about gender dynamics and conversation, uh, sexism, feminism, anything you can take in for how women are oppressed or silenced or erased will help you spot this type of behavior. So it's just a learning situation where you have to do the research to be able to arm yourself with the tactics and the knowledge to spot what's going on. Hopefully that helps. I think this is excellent advice. Thank you. Biblioesthetica, I hope that you trust yourself because you're super great. Don't let anybody convince you that you're not great. And be safe. We got a question from Mark. He asked, got any good steam punk wrecks? I always thought the punk suffix was nothing more than a pun on cyberpunk. So this is a really interesting question. And we also got an email about the same episode where we talked about Everfair from Claire. Claire Rousseau is a booktuber. And I'm going to read the email that Claire sent us, even though it's a little long. But I really liked her email. And I think it's a great way to like launch this topic to talk about like the socio-political implications of steampunk. So Claire writes, Dear Anna and Renee, I'm so glad you made the point about steampunk not having a lot of punk in it. I love the aesthetics of steampunk, but I get very irritated by how very, very white and middle class steampunk feels as a literary subgenre. Most novels I've seen are sold as steampunk are all feisty heroines, mechanical shenanigans, and lots of tea. Heroes tend to be down on their luck, aristocrats, and or academics who are very proper and learned. All of these things are great, but if you have them without having politics or diverse characters, it just feels like a reinforcement of the idea that everything used to be better in the golden era of Queen Victoria, 
when Britain used to own half the world. You can only present that era with rose-tinted glasses by deliberately ignoring how brutal British imperialism was, or how much better things have gotten for women, people of color, queer people, and other disenfranchised and oppressed groups. Also, none of these stories reflect the lives of people living in poverty now or then. It often feels more steam-posh than steampunk. Listen, I really wanted to read the email for that line right there. And then she goes on to say, I don't mind reading these books from time to time. It's a mark of my privilege as a middle-class straight white woman that I can ignore all of those things when I want to take a break from the news, but I don't want the whole genre to be like this, especially not when the global politics are looking this scary. I feel that sadly, that's what the publishing industry would like the steampunk subgenre to be because it's cute and it sells. I would recommend Terry Priest's Clockwork Century series, Steampunk with Zombies, set in the American West. They are grimy and gritty, and there is that feel of real danger to them. They also have diverse characters who are mostly blue-collar, working-class people who are living rough in the underground tunnels or in their airships. Claire shares some opinions with us. Yes, I agree with that too. I don't have a lot of recommendations for a more diverse world, although I do have a few recommendations that take the technology and makes it central to the plot and in the way that shapes the world and what happens then in terms of how wealth is distributed and how people embrace the technology or not and use it or not. And this is kind of like what I mean when I talk about steampunk. So based on that, based on what Claire said, my recommendations would be Leviathan by Scott Westerfeld. There's a first book in a trilogy and it's set in an alternate world where during First World One, and it's kind of like young YA, but it still has a lot of crossover potential for adults. And it's really well done. For those books, in terms of what Claire was saying, the sexism and uh, women's liberation movements are probably better represented in that. Then another one that I really like, and it's probably way out there in terms of whether people think it's steampunk or not, but I think it is, it's House Moving Castle, the movie because it is about oppression and it's people fighting that and it diverges so much from the novel which is also amazing but the movie has these steampunkish elements and aesthetics that go deep into the world the other one that i would recommend if you are just getting into steampunk maybe it's the granddaddy novel of that subgenre, and that's The Difference Engine by William Gibson. It's a very hard book to read because it's very hard sci-fi, I would say, possibly, and it's like it's old school. It's probably worth it if you want to get to know the genre. And there is also a anthology of short stories called Steampunk that has been um, edited by Jeff and Anne Vandermeer. And it has tons of really great stories there, too. So those are my ranks. Unfortunately, I haven't read that many steampunk since... In 2010, I went through a phase where I read a lot of it. And I think I got fed up by the fact that it's mostly aesthetics and sugar-coated world-building without going deep. And I just quit. I know there has to be steampunk out there that is anti-colonialist. I'm just not looking in the right spaces, but I lost patience for digging through the stuff where it's just aesthetics. There's probably tons of stuff out there that's great. If people know any, please tell us because we definitely need recommendations. 
But I put together a very short list. My first one would be Larklight and Starcross by Philip Reeve. Not the third one, because it undoes everything that the first two books do. But I think it does a good job of being Steambug in the society that's really messed up. But the book like knows it's messed up and knows it's unfair and unequal. So the story fits into the world as it exists while critiquing the fact that it existed that way. Then another one by Philip Reeve that I remember sort of it dealing with punk issues is Mortal Engines by Philip Reeve. But it's been so long since I read it, I can't be sure that it really digs into the politics and life of people who are marginalized. Mortal Engines is about giant cities that roam around the world eating other cities. So you might want to give that a shot. I'm not promising that it will deliver like the punk aspect, but I feel like I remember that it did. Then my next one is Karen Memory by Elizabeth Bear. Karen Memory is set in the American West and on the West Coast. It stars a bunch of prostitutes fighting against a corrupt government that's doing not great things. It's really good. Elizabeth Bear definitely did her homework on the type of people that lived and worked back then. So it's got good characters as well and really deals with marginalized communities. And the marginalized communities, those characters are great. They're active agents in the narrative. Then my last one would be a manga, which is Japanese, which might be a little more toward the cow's moving castle end of like the steampunk aesthetic spectrum. But I really think it fits. It's called Full Metal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. And it's about two brothers. And there's magic. And it's definitely a steampunk vibe. I'm not very far into it. But the volumes that I have read definitely, definitely have that vibe to them. So those are mine. And I hope that there's something here that might work for you. There's a good list. Good place to start. And also, everybody should just read Everfair too. Read Everfair by Nisi Shaw. It is a good example, and I hope it inspires tons of other writers to do the same kind of thing with this subgenre. Absolutely. And if you have recs that you think fit this requirement and don't do all the bad stuff that Claire talked about, feel free to hit us up. If you could make a 20-second phone call to yourself at any point in your life, present or future, when would you call and what would you say? Right. So this is where I said it was going to get super serious because I thought about this so many times before. This is not the first time. And I have only ever thought of one particular moment that I can't pinpoint exactly. And I would call myself and say, don't do it don't do it. So when I was 17, I got into a relationship with um, a high school sweetheart, basically. At that point in time, I was very green, very immature, and he was very strong-willed. And I fell in love, and he fell in love, and we had a good six months of a good relationship. And then he turned very dark very soon, And he became very abusive, very emotionally abusive in a way that completely destroyed my sense of self-worth, my sense of myself, basically. And I just, I didn't have strong opinions because I couldn't have strong opinions. And basically, I spent the next three years with this guy. I moved in with him and it was awful. And then one day... I started to realize what was happening, that I wasn't in an abusive relationship and I had to 
break away from it. But if you know anything about an abusive relationship, you will know how hard it is for women to break out of it because of all the the issues that I mentioned before, self-worth and just not knowing what to do, basically. And not understanding that no, you can walk away from something. It's not going to make you a lesser person if you are not with that person that other people can love you and so on and so forth. And then there was this one beautiful day. I had been been building the courage to do it. And I broke up with him. I woke up with him. And I remember the feeling of freedom. I was wearing a blue dress and I walked away from the apartment. I lived with him in the apartment and it was like, three blocks from my mom's flat and I just walked to my mom's flat and I was so light on my feet I was singing I was so relieved I felt so happy I got home a couple of hours later got a phone call from his mother and she says why did you break up with him even thinking of it and talking about it my heart is beating so fast right now um what did you do why did you break up with him he just called me he was in tears And he was a medical student. And in Brazil, a medical student is a very prestigious thing to be because if you are a medical student, you have money. And if you become a doctor, you have money for life. And she called me and she says he's threatening to stop studying because he loves you so much and he can't bear to be without you. And he's telling me that he's going to quit university and just go travel if you don't come back to him. You have to do something. And that, at that that moment is when I would like to call myself and say, don't do it. Because what I did was I put the phone down and I went back straight to him. And I spent another three years and a half of my life in that relationship. And it became much worse shit show by the end of it. That is the moment where I would call myself and say, you fucking idiot, do not do it. Hang up the phone. Oh, don't, do not even answer the phone. You're also equally abusive because what kind of person does that? Why would his mother call me? But at the same time, I feel like I am the person that I am today with the experiences that I am today because that happened to me, I guess. Because after that, I had to go into therapy for three years to be able to get a sense of who I was without that person in my life. It was so useful. It was so good for me. Yikes. You ask. <laughs> the other thing that I would tell myself is, Anna, you doofus. Why didn't you go and do your British citizenship when your partner did his? Now you are stuck with Brexit. You were right. You got deep. It's so weird to share all of these things with so many people that are listening to us. Please treat my memories kindly. I know that a lot of women listen to us and they know exactly how you feel. Especially when you said, you know how hard it is to leave. It's so hard. And I get so many people saying, why don't you just leave? Why doesn't she leave? Why doesn't she do anything? It's like, guys, you have no idea of the power that a man can have over a woman within an abusive relationship with people that you wouldn't think would be in that situation, but only because you don't understand what it is like to be in that situation. I feel like I should apologize for making you dig up that awful memory. I have thoughts of this so many times. If you could change anything about your life, what would you change? I would not have come. I I mean, I should have not stayed the first three and a half years with him anyway, but that point is so markedly like I did the thing. I broke it off. I went. Anyway, let's move on 
to greener pastures. live in any fantasy world where would you live this is an impossible question hmm. no it's really hard fantasy worlds often don't have indoor plumbing well it could be a futuristic fantasy or you can use magic it could be a world with magic and then you can have magical plumbing magical that's where we are right now i've seriously been thinking about this since you gave me this question going holly's oh, like what the fuck am i gonna say it could be a science fiction. When I say fantasy, I mean made-up world. Oh, so it could be a it could also be a science fictional world, huh? Yes, yes. I apologize for not being more thorough. Now I'm really torn. <laughs> I think if I was going to choose a fantasy world to live in, since they're all often dystopic and awful, I might choose Sunshine just so I could learn more about the world. Wow, that was unexpected. I mean, yeah, there's deadly monsters and vampires, but then I could go have cinnamon rolls. But would you then be one of the people that were different? Or would you be or would you be a regular human? I would totally want to be different. I wonder if they had 23 and me in that world. DNA test, see if I have some demon blood in me. Alternately, if I was going to like choose science fiction, I would actually predictably choose a John Scalzi universe. Probably the Old Man's War universe. Think about how cool that would be. Ah, oh, that would be great. Is that a boring answer? I don't know. Oh, maybe a little bit predictable. Oh no, I've become predictable. He creates great universes. Oh my god, tell me about it. I just read The Collapsing Empire and it's so good. Right? Everybody go read The Collapsing Empire. Let me, like, embody one of the cards. It's just so fucking good. I told everybody that The Collapsing Empire was going to be great. And I was right. Everybody I've had radio so far is like, this is great. You were right, as usual. So yes, if I had to choose like a fantasy world, fantasy, quote unquote, I would choose Sunshine because it's a fantasy world. It's an urban fantasy. So that's where I would go. But if I had to choose a science fiction world, I would go with the Old Man's War. I do not know how I would answer my own question. And I'm so glad that I don't have to. P.S. Guys, you may see this question again in the future. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. Welcome to the end of Question Tuesday. Thanks to Biblio Aesthetica and Mark for sending in questions. We hope we helped a little. It's always a pleasure to get your questions, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast and then send us all B jokes, references, and articles you can find because we love them. Email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, or comments. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes or wherever quality podcasts are acquired. This week, our music is by Chucky Beats and Boxcat Games. Ira created our excellent show art. Links to their work will be in our show notes, as well as links to the media we discussed. Susan creates episodes transcripts to the show, and you can find all the available transcripts on fangirlhappyhour.com. If you want to ask a question, you can ping us on social media or use a handy form on fangirlhappyhour.com. In the meantime, remember to drink lots of water, avoid negative self-talk, and contact your reps every single day. And always answer the phone call from yourself if it comes from the future. Thanks for listening to our show, Space Bees. See you next episode.
I'm broken. <laughs> what the hell's happening? I'm, bro- I'm broken. Maybe you're hungry. Yeah, probably. I had a weird visual when you said greener pastures. For some reason, I just pictured you riding a cow in my head. I don't know why. Start over.